Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to a brand new message. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Hey, good morning. We are so glad that you guys could be here this morning. Hey, wherever you're watching from, wherever you're listening, uh, we're just believing that God has something for you today. And I'm just so excited uh, to deposit in you what God has put in me. Uh, If you guys are new here, just so honored you guys could be here this morning. If you're not new, if you're a part of our church, you'll know that we've been in a series going through the Gospel of Mark for Two months, and it's been so awesome, and I'm not quite done uh, that series yet, and I was planning for this weekend to continue this series, uh, but with everything that's happened, kind of took me off guard, but I don't think all that's happening took Jesus off guard. He knew it was happening, and so one thing that uh, I just felt this week was that the Gospel of Mark series is going to just be paused. It's not done. We're just pausing it for a little bit. Um, but I just felt this week that uh, I had something different that I needed to preach. God actually gave me a word a number of weeks ago, and I thought it was for something else. But then with everything that's happened, God said, okay, this is the week. I want you to preach this message. So this morning, my hope is that I can encourage you guys in whatever you're going through. And more than just encourage you guys, I believe that my job this morning is to encourage you so that you can go and encourage someone else. And so um, I'm going to just read a passage of scripture this morning to get started. We're in John chapter 2. If you guys are ready online, you can just shout in the chat that you're ready, and uh, I'm just going to read this, and you can follow along. Uh, John chapter 2, verse 1, this is famously known as the first miracle of Jesus. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus, his mother, was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he asks or tells you. Verse 6, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine, and he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside, and he said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and the cheapest wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. You have saved the best till now. I want to give our message a title this morning. I just want to call this message, The Best is Yet to Come. The Best is Yet to Come. Come on, somebody. The Best is Yet to Come. At home, I need to hear you. The Best is Yet to Come. Type it in the chat. You can shout it in your neighborhood. The Best is Yet to Come. I was, I was driving this week, and uh, this was Tuesday, 
that I was driving, and I'm not going to lie, I, w- I was um, just kind of feeling discouraged. And, and this was before um, kind of all the stuff that, that went down, all the new restrictions. If you live in Alberta, uh, you will know that we kind of got some new restrictions on Tuesday that uh, put us into a lockdown, a lockdown that we kind of really haven't seen uh, in almost a year. And I know that for a lot of us, this affects us in so many different ways. For a lot of us, our jobs are kind of flipped upside down. For some of us, we're scrambling, trying to figure out childcare, trying to figure out um, just where's my next paycheck coming from. So for a lot of us, we were affected by that announcement. For us at church, we were affected by that announcement. That's why I'm, I'm talking to you over a computer screen. Um, but I was driving on Tuesday, and this was before the announcement. Um, now listen, I'm not claiming to be uh, prophetic in the slightest. However, when I was driving Tuesday afternoon, I had a feeling that something was going to happen Tuesday night. And again, I'm not a prophet, but after a year and a half, uh, you kind of just begin to learn how things kind of go. And so I was driving and I was feeling really discouraged. And I was feeling discouraged because um, I knew that with restrictions come a lot of afflictions for a lot of people. And I knew that um, for us at a church, it could be meaning that we're going to move into a different kind of season. And I, I just happen to love church. I happen to love being together, seeing everyone's faces, even if it's like a quarter of your face. I still enjoy seeing it. And so I was just super discouraged. Um, about what I thought was going to happen and what we now know happened. But as I was driving, I just felt the Lord deposit in my spirit um, just a word for me. And he said, "Um, I need you right now in this season to be an encourager. He said, I need you to be an encourager. And the reason he said that was so you can encourage other people. And so as I said, and I'm going to repeat, what I want to do is I want to encourage you. And I want to look at this story again that we just read, because maybe you didn't know it, but it's an encouraging story, and I believe there's actually a word in it for us this morning. I want to encourage us. So we're going to be in the book of John. Again, if you guys have been with us in our church, we've been in Mark for a long time. The New Testament has four books that are called Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they tell the story of Jesus. We're looking at John specifically today. I know a little bit different than Mark, uh, but John's Gospel is is cool as well because John's Gospel has a lot of information that the other Gospels don't have. One thing specific is this story. This story is only in the Gospel of John. And so I want to look at it this morning, and I just want to pull out some things. So all I'm going to do is I'm going to go through it kind of verse by verse, and I believe there is something in these verses that are going to encourage us. So let's start John chapter 2, verse 1 again. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place. As I said, Jesus is at a wedding. That's the context. That's really all you need to know. Um, And the wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Now, this is really important. This is what I want us to see. Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Now, this is really important because what this lets us know first off is that Jesus isn't crashing the wedding. It's not like Jesus and 30 boys rolling up like, hey, we're here to party. Like, where's the party at? I remember uh, when Christy and I got married, one of our big worries was that people would just show up uninvited. And like, we wouldn't have food. We wouldn't have seats. Jesus was invited to this party. That's what we want to know. Now, it's important that he wasn't wedding crashing, but I want to take something even more important out of this. What I want us to see is that Jesus, when he was on earth, went to a wedding. Let me take it a step further. Jesus, when he was on earth, had friends. A lot of times, like we think of Jesus and we think of his divinity, 
right? Like he was God, he was preaching, he was in the synagogue. I bet you Jesus prayed all day, probably fasted like six days out of the week. But what I want us to see here is that when Jesus was on earth, listen, when God came down in the flesh, when God became human, he was at parties, Jesus was at parties. Jesus had friends. Here's the point I want us to understand. Jesus, when he came down in the flesh, when he embodied what it means to be truly human, he had relationships. So here's the thing I want us to understand from this. And it's really not even kind of important to the whole message, but I want to highlight this as we start. We as people were created for relationships. We were created to be in relationships. If Jesus, while he was on earth, was in relationships with people, if he had friends, if he was at weddings, you and I were created for relationship. And this is really important because I want to speak to you guys out there. Because for a lot of us in this last year and a half, as as it kind of drags on, there's been this word thrown around, new normal. Like, this is, just, this is just the new normal. This is just the way that things have to be. Now, I want you to understand our world is rapidly changing. But one thing that will never be a part of the new normal is a world that is void of human relationships. It can't happen. You and I were created to be in relationship. So I want to encourage you. Because maybe you're thinking to yourself, you know what, like I just, I just should, be, I should be there by now. I should, get, I should understand what it likes to be, to be alone and to be isolated. I got to suck it up. I just got to fix this thing. But the truth is this. There is no such thing as a normal. There is no such thing as a future that is void of relationships. If Jesus embodies anything, it is what it means to be human. And as a human, we need relationships. So I want to encourage you, if you feel like I shouldn't feel this way, uh, I should just get used to being alone. No, we were created for community. We were created to be in relationship. I'll tell you something. This is one of the beauties of church. This is why we have church. It is to have relationships. I'll even say this. Church without relationships is not church. And I'm not saying that to knock church online because I'm glad that God's using this format. But the truth is this, because some people might say, you know what, we need to be in person. It's the only way to have relationships. But you all know this to be true. It's really easy to go into church and talk to no one and leave. But I would argue that church without relationships is not actually church. A part of why we have this community, a part of why people ask, do I need church? Do Do I really? Yes. Because we need relationships. And that's one of the best things that we have as a church. And so I want to just encourage you. We have each other. I know it's in comments right now. But if you are feeling alone, if you are feeling isolated, discouraged, connect. Right now in the comments, if if you're brave enough, like, hey, I want someone to talk to, say hello. You can send us a message. We don't want anyone to feel isolated in this season. Why? Because we were created for relationships. It's what it means to be human. And I'll add a side note to this. Jesus was invited uh, to the wedding. Why is this important? Um, A lot of times, I think, because Jesus is our model, uh, and as Christians, we kind of have this thing where it's like, I need to stick out. You know, I, I need to be different. Uh, but a lot of times, like, Christians, like, different is just weird. Um, but, like, I look at Jesus and the fact that he got invited to parties, the fact that people wanted to be around him. Uh, I think as a Christian, we don't want to be weird. We want to be like Jesus. And Jesus, he did stick out. But the reason he stick out, stuck out was because he fully embodied what it meant to be alive. Yeah. 
He was full of love. He was full of life. He was full of grace. He was full of truth. And so I'll encourage you in this. If you want to stick out in this season, Christian, don't be weird. Don't be posting weird things. Love people. Stick out that way. Be attractive like Jesus. Jesus was invited to the party. I love that thought. Okay, I'm not even getting started yet. Now I'm going to start the sermon. That's just kind of the intro to the intro to the intro. Uh, John chapter 2, that's just that's the first two verses. It says, verse 3, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother, because his mom's at the party too. It's not a party unless your mom was there. Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman! Why do you involve me? Now, I'll just pause for a second because we can kind of read this like in in 2021 and be like, man, Jesus is so rude to his mom. But uh, just when you understand the original language, woman is not like how you might think woman is. Uh, It's more of a a term of endearment. Um, And and what he's saying is why why do you involve me? Not anything um, other than that. But the main part, he says, my hour has not yet come. But I love this next part. Because Jesus is saying, hey, listen, like, it's not the time yet. It's not time for me to get involved. But his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, here's the thing I want us to see. Two things from this. Number one, I want us to understand wine. Wine is really important, specifically in this story. uh, Because in the first century, um, it was a big deal. A lot of us can read this and be like, why does it even matter that wine ran out at the wedding? Like, Why is his mom even tripping? Um, The thing is this. In this time... As I just said, wine was important for a number of reasons. Number one, uh, wine was a symbol of joy. Some people at home said amen way too loud. Calm down. (laughs) Wine was a symbol of joy. And so at a wedding and at this place that was filled with joy, the wine would embody the celebration. But even more than that, in the first century, it was a culture that was built on hospitality. And so what that meant is that to be hospitable was of the utmost importance. And so when you are throwing a wedding, like, yeah, it's nice. You guys are going to spend your life together. But your primary purpose in throwing a wedding was to throw a community event, a place where you could be hospitable to your family and to your friends. And so in the first century, there was a great onus and a great pressure that you would put on a really good party. And so the wine was really important because if the wine ran out, first and foremost, it was a sign of disgrace. It's embarrassing, but it's even more than that. A couple commentators, I thought it was really interesting, talking about what it would mean for wine to run out in the first century. One commentator said, if wine ran out in the first century, a lot of people would take it in a sense of like, these guys actually aren't even serious about getting married. They probably don't even like each other. That they don't really love each other because otherwise they would have wine overflowing because love would be overflowing. One commentator went as far as he he said this. He said, um, if the wine ran out, hospitality was so important in the first century. If the party wasn't good enough, there was actually um, grounds to take people to court if they felt like they were not taken care of at the party. So the point being, it's a big deal when the wine runs out. If you're following, just you can just shout, I'm following. It's a big deal when the wine runs out. And so what happens, Mary comes to Jesus. She presents him with the problem. And then Jesus says, hey, hold on, my time has not yet come. Now, it's really important. If you can go back for a sec, I want to just look at the words um, uh, uh, of Mary after. She says, my time has not yet come. But then Mary, who is Jesus' mother, he goes to the ser- she goes to the servants, and she says, hey, do whatever he tells you. This is really important because she wanted Jesus to do something. And Jesus, in a sense, said, not right now. 
Now, I wonder how many of us, when we go to ask Jesus for something and we get a not right now or what appears to be a no, I wonder how many of us just give up. I wonder how many of us just turn around and get sad and say, man, that's it, it's over. But I love Mary because what Mary is doing here is she is embodying faith, but even more than that, she's embodying expectation. She says, do whatever he tells you. It's not happening right now. I'm I'm disappointed right now, but I'm not believing that Jesus is going to leave this situation empty-handed. So whatever he tells you in the future, do it. Man, what could our lives look like if every single time a door closed, instead of being down, downtrodden, depressed, angry, we said, you know what? Whatever happens, Jesus, I'm ready for what you have next. I'm ready for whatever you have next. Do whatever He says, Mary has an expectation. And when we have expectation, oftentimes God shows up. So so moving ahead to verse 6, it says, Nearby stood six water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. These are huge jars, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus says to the servants, fill the jars. So it wasn't time like 10 minutes ago. Now it's time because you don't tell Jesus what to do. Come on, somebody. Um, (laughs) Even if you're his mother. Uh, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. Uh, Moving on. It says they did so and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. So what happens here and what we see is Jesus' first public miracle. Water is turned into wine. Now, it's really interesting, and what I want us to see here that's really important is from this story, from this first public miracle that we have of Jesus, we get a pattern for not only how Jesus works, but how I believe that God works throughout humanity. You see, when you look at the story and the miracle that Jesus performs, it's kind of odd that Jesus goes to the servants and he says, hey, boys, could you guys fill up the gallons with water? Because the truth is, we serve a God that can do anything. Come on, somebody. And so Jesus really easily could have just said, you know what? I want this place to be overflowing with wine and snap his finger and wine is everywhere. Like, like it's not that far-fetched. Because if you think of the fact that God spoke the world into creation, God separated the land from the seas, God created simply by speaking. To create wine is not hard. He could have done it if he wanted to. But Jesus was very intentional when he says to the servants, fill the jars with water. Because what he is showing is he's showing a pattern for how he works. I want us to understand this This is so important. You see, the pattern in which God works is that Jesus, God, always wants to involve us in the miracle. God wants to involve us in the miracle. He doesn't need to, but he wants to. God doesn't need to use us, but he chooses to use us. God wants to involve us in the miracle. Can I give you a very practical way in which that works? If if you guys don't know, uh, my wife and I, we have twin baby girls. And I think that, like, babies are crazy, just like the whole process of how they come to be. Um, And it was doubly crazy when we were able to witness, like, two babies coming at the same time. Now, one thing, and you guys have maybe heard me say this before, but I always have trouble Um, with this understanding or this way of saying, like, Christy and I made these babies. Like, Chris, look at what we made. Like, I've always had troubles with that. And one of the reasons I have troubles with that is because I know what I did to make those babies. 
It wasn't that hard. I enjoyed it. Come on, somebody. But, like, I didn't do a whole lot. And I'll I'll be honest. Come on, it's a church online. Um, Christy herself, like, she carried the babies. She birthed the babies. And, like, birth pains, like, that's painful. Like, you guys have stubbed your toe. It's pretty similar. Um, Happy (laughs) Mother's Listen, happy Mother's Day, everyone. Um, So glad all the mothers could be out here this weekend. But this is is what I want to say. Calm down in the comments if you're going off. I love mothers. I love women. Um, Point being, Christy carried them and Christy birthed them. But the truth is, at the end of the day, when it comes to the actual building of them, we didn't do anything. Like, biologically speaking, we did some things, but we didn't actually do anything. I believe that it's a miracle when they grow inside there. I believe that it was God that formed them. I believe when the psalmist says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But the truth is this. God, again, could have made humans any way that he wanted to. But what he decided to do is he decided to allow us to be involved in the miracle. He allowed us to be involved in the miracle. That's just what he did. Now, maybe you're saying, Harrison, that's great. That's fantastic. But, like, I've never seen kids. Like, I never had kids. Like, is there a miracle for my life? Listen, I believe there are a million little things each and every day that God wants to involve us in. But I want to encourage you in this. If you want to see it, you can't give up. You can't give up. And so listen, here's what I want us to understand from the story. In this situation, when the the wine ran out, it was a bad situation. That's what I was trying to, to, to let you guys know. It wasn't a good situation. It wasn't a situation that they would have wanted to choose. But what happens, and here's the encouragement, it's in these bad situations that God uses them as a vehicle to show up. I want us to understand this. It can be okay whatever you are feeling right now in this situation. You can be feeling down. You can be feeling discouraged. Like, I can't get through the 45th wave of coronavirus, Pastor. Like, I don't know what to do. You can feel whatever you want to feel. And if there are people out there that you love lockdown, all the power to you. But for most of us, it's like, I don't want to be in this any longer. I just, I just want this to end. Here's the encouragement. It is often in the seasons that we would choose the, the least to be in that God works the most. It's often in the times, in the places that I would not choose that Jesus shows up. Had the wine not ran out, we would not have had the vehicle for the power of Jesus to be displayed. Listen, I know it can feel like Alberta is Groundhog's Day, right? Like literally, like it's, it's been 15 months. And I'll tell you something, my heart, where my heart leans naturally is to worst case scenario thinking. That's just where it goes. Like we're never going to get out of this. For me personally, like I don't know what, what's going to happen to the church. Like there are so many people that are coming close to Jesus and like what's going to happen if they don't have community? And, and what if this goes on for more than three weeks, most likely six weeks? Like what's going to happen? And that's that's just where my heart goes. And maybe you guys are there where you struggle. It's like, I, I I want to think positive, but my heart goes negative. Listen, I want to encourage you today to get out of your head. Because you need to understand something. There is a place far more dangerous when it comes to lockdown than your house, and it's being locked down in your mind. And for so many of us, we're stuck in this prison of of worst-case scenario thinking, this prison of I don't think things are going to get better. But I want to encourage you in this. Things don't have to get better. 
because the God that we serve shows up in the situations we don't want to be in, in the situations where we feel like it's a dead end. Guess what? That's when God starts working. So I want to speak something into your spirit today. God's not done. He's not done. The church is not done. Listen to this. I want to give you two promises that I know for sure, no matter what is going to happen in this season, these are a guarantee. Number one, the church of God will not stop. In fact, it can't be stopped because what Jesus said, he said, I'm going to build my church on this rock and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And so what that means is no disease, no infirmity, no lockdown, nothing can stop the church of God. I need to hear you online because we're not stopping. Let's go. That's the truth. And so that gives me power to get out of my head, to get out of my perspective and say, Jesus is on the throne. Here's number two. And this is for all of us. At the end of the day, Jesus wins. I hear a lot of people say, you know what, but pastor, is this the end times? Is this it? Is this this revelation being played out? You want to know the answer? It doesn't matter. You want to know the answer? It doesn't matter. All that does matter is how the story ends. And I know how the story ends and Jesus wins. And so what that means is whatever I'm going through right now in my personal life, sickness, unemployment, financial stress, kids stuck at home, whatever it is, Jesus wins at the end. And that gives me peace because I know no matter what, this is just a season. It can feel long, it can feel like it's dragging on, but in every season, in every circumstance, Jesus just wins. He just wins. And so that gives me hope. And I want to give you guys hope today that Jesus wins. And so with that, I can be encouraged. And I can be encouraged in the seasons that feel most discouraging because I know that we serve the God of the turnaround. We serve the God that actually thrives in in situations, in bad situations. We serve the God that takes dead things and make them alive. The book of Romans says the power of Christ, the power of God that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you. And so that means, man, in the hardest times, Jesus is just getting started. And so I have faith and I have a belief. Listen, in this season, God's not done. God's not done. When I think of the story of our church, because we've been in the the corona uh, for like 15 months, I think, or 13, 14, whatever it is, we've all lost count. Um, And I refuse to say that this has been the worst season ever or this is the worst year ever. Listen, like we're a fairly new church and the longer this goes on, we're going to get to a point where our church will exist more in coronavirus than it did outside of it, which is crazy. But the story of our church will not be what we lost, but it's going to be the miracles that God has shown in this place. It's going to be about his faithfulness. It's going to be how in the hardest times he still built his church. And that's the beauty. The promise is this, not that we build his church, but that he does. He just involves us in the miracle. And I want to speak to every single person online because I know you're out there. In this last season, so many of us have taken part in the miracle. So many of us have served in this place online, in person. So many of us have given to this place online and in person. And so every time God has done something amazing, it's been your miracle as well. And it's encouraged you. This is our story. But the thing is this. If we never step in, we'll never see the miracle. And this morning, I believe that Jesus is asking us to step in to the miracle. Listen, I I just have this belief. 
because it can be like, man, why, like, why are we online again? Why is it going back in these circles? The thing is this, I think that whether we agree with what's going on around us or not, the truth is this, most people are online. Like everyone's online in every place, every facet of the world. And so I just began to think, th- thought, think this week, I began to think this week, What if the reason that God wants us to go online is because he's not done working online? Because maybe we think I'm done online. I've done this too many times. But God's just getting started. Because the truth is this. We live in a culture. We live in a generation where the majority of our world is being formed and being discipled online. But they're being formed and discipled not by God. Not close. My God, not close. And so what if instead of the strategy that we try to often to get people to a place, let's go to where the people are. And so God's not done. And so I want to encourage us again for these next number of weeks between 1 and 35, whatever it is. Let's get involved in the miracle. Let's not say, I'm done, I've been through this. Let's say, God, what do you want to do in this season? God, how can you use me in this season? Can I just tell you something so simple, so practical? Pastor, what do I do? Share a link. Oh, my gosh. It's it's so simple. And what we've seen over and over again, the more people that share a link, the more people that are able to see this and experience the peace of God, experience the goodness of God. Listen, one step up, send it to someone personal. Just say, here, listen, I have, I have a message. I think this will encourage you. You've heard so much discouraging stuff. Here's some encouragement. And some of us are saying, well, pastor, what if no one likes my post? What if they don't respond? Listen, that's worst case scenario thinking. Here's some best case scenario thinking. What if someone watches it? What if someone's encouraged? What if someone is able to see Jesus? Listen, I I remember, I I share things every single week, and a lot of times it's like my wife liking it. But I had someone a a number of months ago, I play hockey with him, and on the bench in the middle of the game randomly, uh, he was like, hey, I saw this speech that you shared on Facebook. And I was like, not a speech. Um, (laughs) But he said, man, it was awesome. He said, it was was really cool. Uh, You should do that in the locker room. And I was like, yeah, we'll see. Uh, We'll see. And and here's the point. Is he a follower of Jesus yet? I don't know. But my job is not to change people's lives. It's just to plant seeds. And Jesus does the rest. And so I want to encourage you in this season, what are you planting? There's enough division being planted. There's enough fear. There's enough hate. Let's plant some hope. Share a link. Let me me take it a step further. John chapter 2. Look what he says to the servants. Uh, Next one. Next Bible verse right here. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. So they filled them to the brim. And and, and the last thing I said, get in the game. That's where I was going, get in the game. But here's the thing I want us to see. Fill it to the brim. The servants filled it to the brim. You see, for so many of us, we have this thing where it's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get in the game, but like half. Like 75%. Like, I'm going to invite my Christian friends to, to watch online. Like, I'm going to share this link with my mom who comes to church with me. <laughs> but what if we began to fill it to the brim? And what I mean by that is what if we began to give it our everything? Listen, I, I want to, to, to speak this into your spirit right now. In this season, there is someone that you need to reach out to. And we have all the excuses in the world. No, no, no pastor, they're, they're being cautious. They're so cautious they won't pick up your phone. I don't think so. 
And so I want to encourage you because if you are feeling isolated, if you are feeling alone, if you are feeling discouraged, that just means someone else is as well. And the reason the church of God exists is so we can go out and be encouragers. And so when I say fill it to the brim in this season, I mean do whatever you can. If you have to call someone, call them. If you have to go on a walk with someone, go on a walk. Here's a crazy idea. Following every single rule because we love our government. How about you have like five people in your backyard from two cohorts only and watch church online together? Just do something because we can complain all day about what we can't do, but let's focus on what we can do and say, I want to share hope in this season. So I want to encourage you, fill it to the brim. This is not the time to stop. This is the time to get going. This is the time where we need to encourage other people. Do what you can do because we were created for connection. We don't got time to watch church. We need to be the church. That's what God's calling us in this season. Don't leave anything on the table. And so John chapter 2 continuing, I want us to see this is so important. Verse 9, it says, The master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine, but he did not realize where it had come from. Look at this part. But the servants who had drawn the water knew. This is important. The master of the ceremonies had nothing to do with the miracle. And so when the miracle came to his midst, he didn't know. He knew nothing, but the point that's important, it says, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. You know what that means? It means the ones that stepped into the miracle, the ones that said, Jesus, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to listen to your word. I'm going to fill this jar to the brim. They were the ones that experienced the miracle. They stepped into it. They got into the game. Listen, I just believe that right now in this season, I want to speak specifically to some people that feel like, man, I haven't seen God move in the last year. I haven't feel like God has worked in the last year. There are so many stories in this place that people can share about how God has done amazing things, about how they shared something online and someone that's never been to church, experienced God, watched it. So many stories about people even just coming into the building in the last number of months. It's like now my friends came, the ones I've been praying for, they were here. And for a lot of us, when we hear these stories, it's nice, like it's cool. But for those of us who actually experienced it, that's our miracle. That's our miracle. And I believe that God does not reserve his miracles for only a few people, but it's for everyone. And so if you feel like you haven't felt God move, I want to get your attention this morning. God wants to get your attention this morning. He is in the business of doing amazing things and the work is just getting started. And so I want to encourage you this morning, claim your miracle. I could have called this message, claim your miracle. I want you to claim it. Listen, that person right now that God's putting on your heart, maybe just to call, maybe to encourage, maybe to text, maybe to invite for a phone, whatever it is, lean into that and claim your miracle because we don't want to be on the sidelines any longer. We want to get into the game. And I wonder how cool it would be in a time where it felt like we're all on the sidelines. This was actually the time that God was trying to get everyone into the game. And so I want us to claim our miracle. And here's the last thing, just a promise I want to leave you on. John chapter two, continuing, calls the bridegroom aside and he said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after. 
He couldn't believe the best wine was here, but anything that Jesus does is the best. But he says, you have saved the best until now. You have saved the best until now. So here's how I want to finish. Here's how I want to encourage you. In whatever you are going through right now, if this first miracle tells us anything, is the pattern in which God works. And the way in which God works is he always saves the best. And so what that means is when I feel discouraged, when I feel like things aren't how I want them to be, where I want them to be, what I want them to be, I take encouragement knowing that the best is always yet to come. I never have to to, to bow down to my feelings, to my emotions, to what's around me because God is so much bigger and the best is still coming. God has a plan and God has a purpose for your life. And so I want you to believe that this morning. Wherever you are listening, I just want you to receive this. God has the best coming for you. It's not over. This season is not the end. Heartbreak, despair, poverty, sickness, death is not even the end. The best is always coming. So hey, why don't you guys pray with me right here, wherever you are. If you just open your hands in your homes, cars, wherever it is, and say, Jesus, I receive this word. Help me, God, to believe the best is coming. Jesus, in whatever you are calling me to do to get in the game, I want to be involved in your miracle today. So speak to me, Jesus. Speak to us, Lord. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Hey, thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope you were encouraged and inspired. If you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.